Welcome, fellow seekers. My name is Nathan, and this is the Law of One and Spiritual Concepts podcast, where I share my interpretations of the Law of One and other related topics. Today, we'll be discussing the veil of forgetting from the Law of One. This is a fascinating topic that allows us to explore a portion of the Logos and how they operate in these higher levels. So what is the veil of forgetting? It's something that's specific to only the third density incarnational experience. And this veil is placed between the conscious and unconscious mind, which no longer gives us access to our past knowledge, incarnations, experiences, or what we came here to do. But most importantly, it keeps us from knowing how the universe is all one thing, the creator. Now this veil is semi-permeable, so you can penetrate it, but we'll get into that a little later. The idea of the veil was first derived from an experiment of one of our much earlier logi. So to start, I thought it'd be good to look back at what the pre-veiled conditions were like for third density entities. Life as we know it was completely different before the veil. To start, there was no service to self path at that time, since all were known and seen as the creator. This was because the early Logi chose a lack of free will foundation to build life upon, which basically means that free will was not paramount, so there was only the service to other path. Ra also explained that this was because they simply had not thought of it at that time, or another way to create a different experience. To look at a few specifics of how different life was before the veil, we'll start by looking at disease or illness. In session 83.5, Ra refers to disease as having the benign function of ending an incarnation at an appropriate space-time nexus, which to me indicates that disease was not necessarily harmful right away to an entity, but provided them with a way to die or to leave the incarnational experience when they so chose. But they also did not have the same fear of death that most people would today, because before the veil, they knew they could just reincarnate to continue their growing process. These pre-veiled entities also had more control over their body than we do today. With access to the subconscious mind, this also gave them full control over their bodily functions that we consider to be involuntary, such as their blood pressure, heartbeat, breathing, digestion, and the intensity of pain. In the instance of pain, Don questioned Ra on this and gave the example of an entity burning their hand, then removing it and being able to mentally cut off the pain until it was healed. Ra indicated that that was the case, and that pain was the function of warning of the fire alarm to those not smelling the smoke. As you can see, based on these, the catalyst was not nearly as strong for entities before the veil than it is currently. Another difference was also in sexuality, or sexual energy transfers. Since they all knew they were the creator, they loved each other, and all had open green ray energy centers, without the possibility of blockage, which therefore resulted in weak sexual energy transfers, since they hadn't polarized strongly to service to others. Even though, the green ray transfer was always possible. This resulted in a near lack of use of this sexual energy transfer beyond Green Ray, and therefore they saw little purpose in intensive relationships of mind, body, and spirit in the mating process, which would have led to higher energy transfers by the mated pair. 
The last prevailed condition I thought would be interesting to look at has to do with the societies. They did not intentionally enslave anyone for the benefit of others. It was not seen as a possibility since all were seen as one. They did have governmental or societal structures though since this stemmed from some disharmony or what we might call drama. Despite what might seem like a positive societal conditions, Ra indicated that this led to a slow, third-density, evolutionary process. And he gives the example where lessons were garnered with the relative speed of the turtle to the cheetah. Although these prevailed conditions might sound like the good life to some of us, there was a problem that arose from this. It was that third-density entities were not polarizing enough to graduate to fourth-density and were habitually repeating third-density cycles. Since they all knew they were the creator, there was no divine progress. They were happy and content with where they were. A good example of this comes from session 82.22, where Ra says, Consider, if you will, the tendencies of those who are divinely happy, as you call this distortion, to have little urge to alter or better their condition. Such is the result of the mind-body-spirit, which is not complex. There is the possibility of love of other selves and service to other selves, but there is the overwhelming awareness of the Creator in the self. The connection with the Creator is that of the umbilical cord. The security is total. Therefore, no love is terribly important, no pain terribly frightening, no effort, therefore, is made to serve for love or to benefit from fear. Through this quote, I think we can begin to see the necessity of the veil. Ra sums it up rather well in session 54.3, where they indicate, In order to progress, a state of some dissatisfaction will be present, thus providing the entity the stimulus for further seeking. Which basically means, if we are happy or content, we're less likely to continue seeking. We therefore need some sort of catalyst or driving factor to get us to continue this seeking process and continue growing. Which of course led to the idea of implementing a semi-permeable veil of forgetting to separate the conscious mind from the unconscious mind, to then create a greater quality and variety of experience. Which led to a whole host of different changes for third density. One of the first being that the mind was now complex since the unconscious abilities we discussed earlier, like controlling the heartbeat and pain, were now involuntary functions, the mind was now complex, and also caused the body and spirit to become complex. And this is why we are now known as mind-body-spirit complexes, whereas previously, in the prevailed conditions, were only mind-body-spirits. Along this line, this also changed the number of archetypes from 9 for mind, body, and spirit, to include 13 more for the mind, body, spirit becoming complex to get to the 22 archetypes of the mind we have now. But we can save that conversation for another day. Another portion of the implementation of the veil was that it had also had granted free will, or as they sometimes call it, confusion, <laughs> for entities to make their own choices and progress as they saw necessary leading to the creation of the service-to-self or negative path. Some consequences that originated from the veil involved the concept of space-time as we know it, or the appearance of us moving through linear time through our current illusion. This was because Ra says that without the veil, the mind was not caught in our illusory time, 
meaning that the veil is not part of time-space, only our current space-time illusion. What's been veiled are the realms of our pre-incarnational experience, or the inner planes, and some that can be seen as states of deep dreaming. Another consequence of the veil has to do with only having access to the conscious mind, which therefore creates separation, or the sense of I, and therefore led to the ego. But overall, this conscious mind attempts to name and describe concepts and ideas through symbolism and language, whereas the prevailed mind experience relied on the use of unspoken concept, which might be seen as telepathic communication and using the unconscious mind for this, which led to the higher quality and variety of experience we discussed earlier. That can be seen as what we classify as the arts, from painting to dance and related other skills. And then there's the consequences dealing with our bodily conditions that we know all too well. With the veiling of our unconscious mind, we no longer have control over our involuntary bodily functions. We also experience pain and disease in a much more intense way, but leads to catalyst for further evolution or spiritual growth. It has now become infinitely more difficult to achieve green ray sexual energy transfer with the veil since so much of the bodily complex's manifestations were now unknown. This also requires us to open the heart through love before this transfer can occur. But when the sexual energy is transferred, it is much more likely to provide catalyst in causing a bonding with the self and other self, which allows for higher energy transfers to be sought after by the mated pair, and leading to the type of relationships we may view as marriages. This is just a handful of some of the impacts I found from the implementation of the veil of forgetting. I wanted to next look at how to penetrate this veil since it is semi-permeable. But before we get to that, I wanted to read one more quote from Ra that I think best sums up the justification the Logos had for implementing the veil. This comes from session 50.7. Quote, Let us give the example of the man who sees all the poker hands. He then knows the game, it is but child's play to gamble, for it is no risk. The other hands are known, the possibilities are known, and the hand will be played correctly, but with no interest. In time-space, and in true-color green density, the hands of all are open to the eye. The thoughts, the feelings, the troubles, all these may be seen. There is no deception and no desire for deception. Thus much may be accomplished in harmony but the mind-body-spirit gains little polarity from this interaction. Let us re-examine this metaphor and multiply it into the longest poker game you can imagine, a lifetime. The cards are love, dislike, limitation, unhappiness, pleasure, etc. They are dealt and redealt and redealt continuously. You may, during the incarnation, begin, and we stress begin, to know your own cards. You may begin to find the love within you, you may begin to balance your pleasure, your limitations, etc. However, your only indications of other selves' cards is to look into the eyes. You cannot remember your hand, their hands, perhaps even the rules of the game. This game can only be won by those who lose their cards in the melting influence of love. Can only be won by those who lay their pleasures, their limitations, their all upon the table, face up, and say inwardly, all. 
All of you players, each other self, whatever your hand, I love you. This is the game to know, to accept, to forgive, to balance, and to open the self in love. This cannot be done without the forgetting, for it would carry no weight in the life of the mind-body-spirit-beingness totality. End quote. I hope you found that quote as impactful as I did. I feel it does a great job of summarizing everything we've been talking about up until this point. Moving on to our last topic having to do with the veil of forgetting, I wanted to look at penetrating the veil and discuss some ways that we can do this. As mentioned earlier, this veil is semi-permeable according to Ra, which means we can penetrate it to receive information from it, but don't necessarily need to completely lift or dismantle the veil in order to access this information. Starting down this road, I think it is important to understand that there are as many ways to penetrate the veil as the imagination of the mind-body-spirit complex can provide, according to Ra. From another snippet from this, section 8316, they say in general that the by far most vivid and even extravagant opportunities for the piercing of the veil are a result of interaction with polarized entities which again places emphasis on the need to further polarize if one wishes to continue on their spiritual evolution. And with that, some ways that we can use our conscious ability to access the subconscious, or in other words, penetrate the veil, will start with what I've seen to be the most harped-on point by the Confederation of Planets in service to the One Infinite Creator, and that is meditation. There are many different types of meditation these days, from mindfulness to visualization meditations or transcendental. Either way, they have one thing in common. They all have the potential to penetrate the veil in using them. This will surely look different for each entity as well as for each type of meditation, but they will commonly lead to receiving some types of messages, whether verbal, written, or visual. Another common way to pierce the veil is through dreams. Since dreams are messages from our higher self, they provide us with information from the other side of the veil for us to then interpret and understand to help us. The challenge here is learning the dream language to be able to understand these and accurately interpret what your higher self is telling you. The veil can also be pierced through energy transfers. This can take shape in accessing higher states of consciousness or the higher energy centers, through sexual energy transfer, or even possibly rituals, different types of healing, and channeling work. Since there are endless ways to penetrate the veil, I thought I'd name just a few more for reference. This might include hypnosis, or group shared seeking with a common goal together, uh, or something like psychedelics, or different types of drugs like that possibly. And one other I was just thinking of was synchronicities, since these tend to be messages from our higher self or guides that tend to indicate information from our subconscious minds. In 8318, Ra also indicates that penetrating the veil may be seen to have roots in the green ray activity. This is the all-compassionate love which demands no return, then allowing the higher energy centers to be activated, which then leads to the adept, who has a much greater chance of dismantling the veil. Ra then ends that quote by saying, the other self is primary catalyst in this particular path to the piercing of the veil, if you would call it that. 
which seems to be saying our best bet is to work with our other selves as catalyst, also aiding in our polarization in order to pierce the veil and evolve collectively. Lifting the veil happens progressively. Since we live in this illusion, the veil is also an illusion that creates further illusion. So once we begin to realize this and change our perception to concepts of oneness, the veil starts to dismantle. Ra also indicated that the more an entity polarizes, the more the veil lifts, initiating what can be seen as a self-accelerating process. If this third density illusion wasn't so convincing, we wouldn't be compelled to grow or to learn or act from our catalyst that we receive in pain or feelings. In order to see past the separation and back to the oneness of the Creator. And with that, I'll end it here with one more quote, or at least partial quote, from 99.8 for you to ponder on if you choose. Quote, Many use the trunk and roots of mind as if that portion of the mind were a badly used, prostituted entity. Then this entity gains from this great storehouse that which is rough, prostituted, and without great virtue. Those who turn to the deep mind, seeing it in the guise of the maiden, go forth to court it. The courtship has nothing of plunder in its semblance, and may be protracted, yet the treasure gained by such careful courtship is great. The right hand and left hand transformations of the mind may be seen to differ by the attitude of the conscious mind towards its own resources, as well as the resources of other selves. End quote. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next one. I leave you now in the love and in the light.